welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV reviews, and recastings, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we are recording from the Long Beach Comic Con. So that is the noises that you are hearing in the background. It is not us. We did not get much shittier quality (laughs) at this time. But... Uh, if we sound like we are from the Antiques Roadshow, we are at a very similar kind of situation <laughs> right now, and we are yeah recording uh, from a booth at uh, at the LBC. See, I'm Long excited. Beach. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Hopefully, some people will come and talk to us, and we'll you know get their takes on stuff. But so, just as a heads up, this will probably be a little less edited episode. <laughs> we'll probably just have some of these sounds in here, and if anybody comes up to talk to us while we are recording. Fuck it. We'll keep it in. <laughs> We're going raw dog style. Yes, that's gross. Uh, <laughs> today, we are going to be talking about baseball. We've kind of got... Uh, we did our baseball show earlier with uh, with Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. And that was at the start of the baseball season. And today, we are kind of coming to the conclusion of the baseball season. It's about the end of the regular season. Baseball playoffs are about to start. Mm-hmm. And so we are going to do another movie about baseball. This time, we're going to do the film from 1992, A League of Their Own. And then for our TV show, since there's not really a TV show all centered around baseball, we are going to do a kid's show that is very athletic. And so we are going to talk about the Nickelodeon show, Legends of the Hidden Temple. And then for our fan casting, in the last baseball episode, we talked all about real baseball players and did a fake lineup, a fan casting lineup of our favorite players of all time. And for this episode, we are going to do similar, but with fake players, with all characters from movies. This one's going to be much more um, sort of fun and silly. And Yes. We're, we're, drafting, we're drafting a baseball team of characters from baseball movies and various things so it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit more fun and entertaining i think i agree i'm very excited about that i hope i hope i can make you chuckle with some of my choices (laughs) i'm not gonna lie also mad props to long beach comic-con it's a lot of fun out here we got people obviously dressed up it's a comic-con convention so i see a spider-man i saw an edward scissorhands earlier i saw hank pym carrying around his (laughs) dragon around his uh briefcase building building yeah that was fantastic Awesome. Very excited to be broadcasting from here and hopefully get the word out about the podcast some more. But besides that, League of Their Own came out in 1992, which we talked about on the same episode as Sidekicks. Mm -hmm. But there's got to be some more facts, John. Let us know all about it. Uh, That was the year of the 50th anniversary or the 50th Golden Globes that year. Best Picture went to a film that honestly I've never seen, but... In the, in the 2000s or the 90s, we didn't have memes, per se. But if you could have a meme, there, a meme came out of this, and that was uh, scent, of the, scent of a Woman. Hoo-ah! Exactly. <laughs> Which Al Pacino also took the Golden Globe for Best Actor that year. Yeah, he should not have. That's a load of shit. He should have for Scarface years earlier. That's why they gave him those awards, because they felt sorry for not giving it to him the year he deserved it. Yeah. And so, but then it screwed over people who should have had it right that year well, yeah. it was only the golden globe so <laughs> whatever grammys that year best new artist is a group that i think is underrated and needs to be brought back and that was the hip-hop group arrested development Mr. Wendell, yeah. 
I love Arrest Development. Yeah. I own about almost every album they put out, which they, they have broken up and come back like two or three times yeah. now, <laughs> and they'll put out an album, and it's a lot of fun. But they're just like a genuine, clean, but solid hip-hop, like very 90s hip-hop. Yes. And always with a message. They're yeah. always saying something. Yeah, they're typically either, they're very religious, but also very Afrocentric, mm-hmm. and it's just, it, it, they have a good good lyrics, good message as you put it. Yeah. It's, they're fantastic. And band. fun music. It's fun to listen to. It's good, yeah. you know, good beats, good rhymes. Um, I mentioned this the, the last time the Blue Jays won the World Series. I figured I'd mention again since we are talking baseball. A few more things to talk about. Uh, Adam, I don't know if you remember this. 1992, our president, who was George H.W. Bush, vomited all over <laughs> the Japanese prime minister at a state dinner. I mean, I was young at the time, but I have seen clips of that <laughs> over and, and over again. and over. Yeah, it's pretty much like a meme from back in the day. Right. That year, developers were uh, creating a game, and they used this puffball as a as a stay-in substitute for the actual character. They became so attached to the puffball that they just made it the character, and that became Kirby. Okay. Yeah, he's just a little shitty puffball. Absolutely, yep. a little pink ball. Finally, uh, that year, Nickelodeon uh, buried a time capsule. And inside that time capsule uh, was a Game Boy, Reebok pump shoes, Twinkies, Home Alone on VHS, <laughs> and Gak. Holy shit. That's all right. That's a, I would. That's a perfect time capsule for us. Yes. Like, that is the kind of one I would open up and I would be like, fuck yeah, Gak! <laughs> fuck and yeah, that, Game Boy! And that, uh, that time capsule is set to be opened in 2042. Okay. <laughs> nice. Oh. We got a ways to go. I hope he's 62 years old that year. You for, uh, in, in 2042? You'll be older than that, John. I'll be 82. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll be 82. No, no, no. You still can't do math. You'll be 72. No, no, no. No, I was right the first time. I'll be 62. That's 20. Yeah. Six, oh shit! I can't do math. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, because I'll be I'll be 56, 57, whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Fuck it. Is that all we got? Yep, and that's it for 1992. All right. <laughs> well, bad math aside, let's get into a league of their own. A League of Their Own from 1992. This film was directed by Penny Marshall. She did some other very big films Uh, i see what you did there like this film called big uh (laughs) another one called awakenings fantastic film that is a good with robin williams and robert de niro and then she was also laverne on laverne and shirley yeah probably what she's most famous for known for uh the screenplay of this film was written by lol gantz and babalu mandel uh awesome name it is babalu yeah it's a killer (laughs) name (laughs) They both worked on Laverne and Shirley. They're a team. They both uh, they wrote the screenplay for Splash, oh. screenplay for the Steve Martin movie Parenthood, fantastic oh, great film, great movie, um, which wasn't on our list. And now I've added it. Once yeah. I saw that, I was like, Why is this not on our list? Yeah, so we'll needs, get that to that eventually. To list. Uh, also, City Slickers, also and great movie. the Michael Keaton movie that a lot of gets gets overlooked a lot. Gung Ho, good. I've film. never actually seen that. Oh, movie. it's good. It's good. Okay, I'll it's kind of about. Car working and kind of like unions. It's it's good. It's a good fun film. I mean, it's nothing not a says fun film. nothing says nostalgia like <laughs> like unions. Union talk. <laughs> Woo! Thanks, Reagan. You fucked that up for us. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this film, the score, fantastic score in this film. 
and that was done by one of the preeminent film scores of all time, and especially of nowadays, Hans Zimmer did oh, the music yeah. for Oh, Lincoln I didn't realize you did that. Yeah, really good. The music is great in this movie. It is. It, it hits you in the feels, man. Yeah. It, it, like, we'll talk about it later, but there are certain times that exactly what we just said, the score and just what's happening just gets mm. you. Yep. Um, so this film, it stars Gina Davis as Dottie Henson, Lori Petty as Kit Keller, Tom Hanks as Jimmy Dugan, yep. Madonna uh, as All the Way May, and Rosie O'Donnell as Doris. And those <laughs> are kind of like our main mainish characters. Yeah. And we start off with an old Dottie Henson, old Gina Davis in old makeup. And she's the only one who they used old makeup for, it looked like to me. No, that's a different actress. That's, no, it wasn't. Yeah. No, that was definitely Gina Davis in old makeup. No, no, no. I think it's her voice, but it's a different actress. I will bet you money. We All right, I'm pulling up. <laughs> Pull out your phone. God damn it, John. I Because I looked, I specifically looked for the credit of who played older Dottie, and it's there's so somebody's good. listed. Well, fuck it. John's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked because she looked like a good old version of... Yeah. Gina Davis. Yeah. Uh, I think so, they just, I think they ADR'd the voice to sound like yeah. Gina Davis. I am shocked. Well, I could be wrong on that, though. Penny Marshall, director, fantastic job on that. I know. Because you had me fooled. <laughs> um, so that that actress was Lynn Cartwright, and she was 65 years old at the time, and she looks very good. She fooled me. I could have <laughs> sworn it was old makeup. Um Damn. All right. <laughs> so we've got our older Dottie Henson. Adam's childhood has just been blown um, open. Yes, I thought it was like, oh, for sure, that is Gina Davis, just an old makeup, and everyone else was is just, just something. Someone else. Yeah, it was someone else. Nope. <laughs> <sighs> All right. All right. Brain exploded already, and we're barely into this movie. So her daughter, so Dottie's daughter comes in, and she's got like her old catcher's mitt and kind of talking to her about like, oh, you know, uh, glad you're going, that kind of thing, and Dottie doesn't want to go. Uh, to this obviously we don't really know what's going on right but we can tell it's some kind of reunion and we can tell it has obviously something to do with baseball yep um and then here we get this song is kind of getting us through like these opening credits and it's the song now and forever now and forever you are a part of me and the man And it's kind of a cheesy song. Yeah, a little bit. It, it, yeah. It works setting up yeah. like the film. Uh, you know that, you know, okay, we're in like this, it's a nostalgia-based film because we're about to get into a flashback, but in a, you know, in a nostalgia podcast, we're going kind of meta here, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, we get the song. It's all right. Uh, the bus stops with Dottie Henson at Doubleday Field in Cooperstown, New York, which John and I have been to. Yes, we have been very long time. Yes, but. that kind of kind of brought me back when I saw you know at Cooperstown and at Doubleday, and I was just like, yeah. oh shit, yeah, because we've got a picture uh, with us and I think our dad right in front of Doubleday, and it just I don't know, it's kind of nice. Yeah, and as she walks onto the field, we kind of get cross dissolved. We get taken back in time, and we're kind of getting this old newsreel talking mm-hmm. to us. Um, and setting up that men's baseball is ending because of the war. And will baseball survive? Shit like that. And that uh, the voiceover of that was done by Harry Shearer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, very well known for uh, The Simpsons and yes. um, all of the Christopher Guest movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Final Tap as well. Yeah. yeah. We then cut to old ta- or small town Oregon. Mm-hmm. And we see this softball game going on. Here we meet Kit 
who is the younger sister of Dottie. We see that uh, Dottie keeps giving Kit different advice, things like that. She's obviously the older sister. Right. They set up their relationship really well early yeah. on. To me, the way that they interact with each other, kind of like jabbing at each other, you know, calling each other names, uh, and just the way that the older sister kind of keeps bugging how Dottie keeps bugging Kit, right. like, and telling her what to do, and Kit's just like, fuck you, I do what I want. Right. Kind of reminds me of us a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, fuck you, John, I do what I want. Actually, probably more so reminds me of my sister. Right. She used to tell me what to do. I think our sister was the <laughs> bossier both one. of us. Yeah, right. she did. <laughs> and she Even, was the middle one. Yeah, exactly. And we were both, like, larger than I know, her physically. We're both, like, <laughs> didn't matter. Twice as tall as she is, almost. Yeah. Not really twice. But yeah. Seems like it. Here we get a nice little setup of Kit apparently loves the high one she loves she's so she's at bat and she goes up to hit and the pitcher keeps throwing these high fastballs to her and kit can't lay off of them Mm -hmm. she keeps swinging and she ends up striking out because she sucks at the high fastballs Dottie, who has kept giving her advice of saying like you know don't do that she goes up there you see we get a nice shot of her waiting for a on a high fastball not swinging exactly the advice that she told (laughs) kit to do and then there's a good pitch, and Dottie clocks it. Yeah. And of course, and then so she becomes the hero. Kit's jealous. You know, they're, they're walking back, and yeah. Kit Kit's a very jealous younger child, which is not actually typical for third children, in my in my opinion, or younger children, because I was the coolest and best child. I was not jealous. I feel like you guys were jealous of me and how cool I was. You're just laughing. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, but we get a fantastic line. Uh, that I like the way it sets up that how Dottie says their dad introduces her. Uh huh. She says, You ever hear dad introduce us to people? This is our daughter, Dottie. This is our other daughter, Dottie's sister. Should have just had you and bought a dog. It's funny, but at the same time, Dottie doesn't say, Oh, you're just joking. It kind of makes me think that's maybe how the dad actually. <laughs> actually announces them this is not a loving family environment no uh but another quick little thing here that really helps set up just their relationship is kit's walking really fast and dotty's like what the hell are you walking so fast and they all start they start walking and so they get they have a competition between right. the two of them you know they are very competitive and they're siblings and so like you kit, know they start they start sprinting they're like fuck yeah. you i'm gonna race you down down to the kit uh, always to the wants to farm. prove herself yes. and dotty just can't quite let her yeah do it. yeah exactly you know, Dottie wants her to prove herself, but she wants her to earn it. Yeah. She's not going to let her just take it. Right. We got a couple little clips of at this baseball game. We saw this kind of weirdish kind of character played by John Lovitz. You see him immediately. <laughs> Acting. 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 <laughs> he comes to the farm to go talk to them. And he has so many lines. Yes, in he this does. Film. I forgot how many fantastic lines he says that are super quotable. Yeah. Like here, right here, you know, uh, both Dottie and Kit are milking cows. They kind of lean over in a great little shot simultaneously uh, when he comes in. And he and he says, Doesn't that hurt them? Doesn't seem to. That would bruise the hell out of me. <laughs> Just like, it's, it, God, it's good. Like, lines that I thought were funny, I find hilarious now. Yeah. Like, I am loving now, this stuff. Now that we're older and have better context yeah. of everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make it much funnier. And he wants to get Dottie to come to Chicago to do this tryouts for this all-female baseball league, which they're doing this league. I think it was kind of, as we mentioned in the newsreel, that in World War II, you know, everybody's out fighting the war, out out 
killing Nazis. Yep. And uh, all the men got drafted. Yes, all the men got drafted. You know, to keep baseball alive, they are going to turn on this all-female baseball league. So, and he's off searching around for other people, and uh, he sees Dottie, and he wants the hell out of her because she's awesome. But she won't go without Kit. We get just again some fantastic lines. Kit's trying to like prove herself to John Lovitz, right? And you know, she's like, "Hey, hey." dad go get your mitt and like this cow moves in the background and just john lovitz like turns to the cow and says will you shut up like i love john lovitz this fucking he is, movie he's really good in this yeah this might be his best acting role ever i think so i mean i'm already like nostalgic for his voice because i love the critic and right. i know you do too yeah and so like just the comedy that, that he delivers that, that, that might be yeah. my favorite thing he's ever done is yeah. the critic but this but one might be his best on-screen acting yeah you're probably right but ultimately, he says, uh, he tells Dottie if she goes, uh, oh my god, we got an R2-D2 here, right here. Well, it's not technically R2-D2. I don't know, I don't know what I'm not sure is. which one it is. That must but be it's from awesome. uh, Rebels or something. Yeah, it could, yeah, it might be from Rebels. Yeah, hopefully you can hear the sounds, because it's fantastic. <laughs> but uh, if Dottie goes, Kit can come too, to the tryouts, which is awesome. And as he's leaving the farm, we get one more really good John Lovitz line. Get these wild animals away from me! Haven't you ever heard of a leash? <laughs> He's just talking about chickens. Man, it's good. Kit begs Dottie, and he ends up convincing her to go to the tryouts. At the train, uh, just a funny scene that they kind of arrive late, and they have to run down the train mm-hmm. to to catch Lovitz as he's on there, basically. Um, and it's funny. And when they hop on the train, another good line, promise the cows you'll write. And yeah. it's it's just funny. Well, and even, even right before that, like, just a simple line, like, he's, he's peering out the window. He leans over some woman, and he, she goes, sir, your knee. And he goes, like it? <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a creep. He's an asshole in this he, film. Yeah, he really is. But he's not, maybe he's just he's just Lovitz in this film. While we're on our way, we have to stop in Fort Collins. We have to meet Marla Hooch, which is a fantastic name yes. for this character. <laughs> uh, we see her hitting. So she's kind of, we have a sh- very wide shot, her in the distance. But she is clocking yeah and they're in, baseballs. they're indoors they're indoors with it's raining guys throwing at her so it's like college it looks like college level co- guys college yeah and you know they're they're throwing and she is beating the shit out of them and they're all like tired and can tell like she's as good as anybody right. at baseball which they're is awesome. better yeah probably better oh just i think what's a funny line is uh so she's batting right-handed and then her dad says all right marla okay marla now lefty and so she switches it, and she keeps clocking it. So she's a switch hitter. So she's and I, I love it yeah. that when as soon as he says that, all the guys yeah. go, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, they all groan. Exactly. So it just shows how how fucking great she is. So Marla comes over to meet Lovitz, and here we get I think a super memorable. The most memorable thing to me about Marla Hooch is when she first takes her baseball hat off uh, and she looks up and she's got these eyes the size of an owl I know. and <laughs> she's just staring up at, and she doesn't look particularly flat she's not a, ma- a super ugly person but she's not nearly as attractive as right. gina davis i think they definitely they definitely kind of played that up yeah and they played the tomboy they, side up yeah. too yeah but it's just it's a funny shot and you see uh, you know cut back to uh, lovitz's reaction shot and it's it's funny and he's like hell no because you know for this league they want they want Looker, lookers, you know, they yeah. want looky little attractive Looking girls, for dolls, little dolls, exactly as he kind of puts it earlier. And I love Megan Cavanaugh, the one who plays Marla. Yeah, she does a great um, job. She does a great job in this. I also loved her in um, Robin Hood Men in Tights. 
Oh yes, I forgot that that was her. She's very comical in yeah, that movie. Yeah, she's very, very wow. comical. Yeah, she's she's like crass in that movie. She's yes. a little over the top, but she works well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great so, comedic actress. Yeah. So Lovitz doesn't want to take her, but pretty much Dottie and Kit are like refuse to go, and they're like, "Fuck you! You right. deserve to take her because she's the best hitter that we've ever seen." <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, the dad kind of walks over to Lovitz and, and says, like, you know, I know I raised her like a boy, but I didn't know how else to. Right. Because uh, it was just him. You know, yeah. the mom was, was passed away, it sounds like. And uh, ultimately, I guess, like, kind of the dad and everybody convinces Lovitz. And so they take in Marla. And we get a little scene here, just a, an emotional scene of her saying goodbye to her dad. You know, it's uh, it's kind of nice. You know, they, they tied in pretty quickly how their relationship, Marla and her dad's, like, they relied on each other. Yeah. Without the mom there, I think the dad really relied on Marla for emotional support. Yeah. And to just try and, you know, help him get along, to get to get moving. And, you know, probably help keep the house clean and, and just in general, you know, just kept him going. And she obviously relied on him because she didn't have, you know, her mother there at all. Right. And so they bonded and they're, you know, they're obviously are like, you know, the best of friends as well as father-daughter really strong relationship and but now they have to say goodbye and it kind of already hits you pretty good yeah there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of moments in this yeah. movie that that hit you in the feels yeah and as we mentioned before like right here there's just there's really good music going on like yeah. you know Hans Zimmer does a fantastic job with this emotional score and even though we've known this character for all of two minutes three minutes like we already feel for her yeah, we're already exactly. rooting for her yeah and we understand her relationship and how much it means for her dad to let her go, to push her to go, so she can follow her dream, which I bet was probably part of his dream. Right. You know, <laughs> he wanted. You know, he seems like the kind of guy who maybe wanted a boy to teach to teach him baseball, yeah. but like, you know, he he had his girl and he loves her to death, and you can tell. Yeah. And you know, he just raised her the way he he only knew how, and uh, and now she's going off to play baseball, and he's it's it's yeah, it hits you. It's really good though. So they get to Chicago, and. You know, they're going to start the tryouts. Lovitz walks away. He's done. And he ends with maybe one of my favorite lines. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going home, grab a shower and a shave, give the wife a little pickle tickle, and I'm on my way. I'll see you. He's just hilarious, man. He does a great job yeah. and he, of this. We've already talked about him. we talked about him more than anybody else right now. Yeah. And this is this is all he's... We don't see him again after this. No. He's, it's a very memorable character. He is an absolute... Surprise! I mean, he lasts what the first fifteen minutes of the film, and he really does like leave a lasting impression. And like, yeah. he's only in fifteen minutes, but this is his best like <laughs> role that he's ever done. I yeah. agree. Yeah. So better than High School High. Do you, you remember that one? I remember that it was a thing. It was. I never saw it. <laughs> it was not a good thing, but it was a thing. So here at the tryouts, we meet Doris and May, played by Rosie O'Donnell and Madonna, um, and they're kind of very sassy New York people. Yeah. Like, they are extremely New Yorkers. Yeah. But you can tell that they're already buddies. Yes, yeah. They're they, already yeah. friends. Yeah. In meeting them, we get a great scene. Like, well, again, another one of these memorable scenes where Rosie O'Donnell, Doris, is basically saying, oh, yeah, some some of yous are going to go home. Right. And then she throws this baseball at Gina Davis, who catches well, it. She throws it at Kit. She, yeah. Kit ducks. Yeah. But my favorite part of that is after Gina Davis catches it, she like shows it to them like, oh, you mean this thing? <laughs> yeah. Like kind of like a little a little screw you to yes. <laughs> like, and then just kind of tosses it back to her. You know, they got over a hundred girls here, so um, 
Some of you are gonna have to go home. Yeah, sorry about that. Come on, Doris. Those people are jerks. What do you mean, some of us? Do it. Okay, some of them are going home. Hey, how did you do that? Uh, well, here we get a very nice montage of the tryouts. And yeah. so we get we get this kind of like voiceover radio broadcast over it with, uh, with some great music. And so, yeah, we're just going to get really good of them talking or just kind of seeing how good these players are. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, they post up the lists as to who made which team. And apparently there are four different teams is what they said. Yeah. And both Dottie and Kit have made a team and they are on the Rockford Peaches. And here we get another little semi-emotional scene of this one one female is still standing up at the list and you can't tell what's going on and she yeah. we think that she's just a little too sad that she probably didn't make the team and she's kind of like in shock and doesn't know what to do but one of the other baseball players goes up and he's actually he's actually one of the managers he's actually yeah. racing's manager yes it's an actor named don s davies mm-hmm. and i want to mention this don s davies um was um in one of my favorite tv shows of all time which was stargate sg1 mm. it's one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all time and he plays the general in it for a while uh, up until uh, up, up until when he sadly passed in the late 2000s i think um and but i completely forgot that he was in this movie until yeah. i saw it again i was like oh Donna Davies, he's so good. He's such a good actor. And I mean, don't, what the reason I bring it up is, is Stargate SG One was the first TV show that my wife and I bonded over when we started dating. Uh, oh, how and, cute! And we actually scheduled our honeymoon around going to <laughs> Vancouver, where they shot the the TV show. That's very cute. I like that. So, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Um, but they're t- he's talking to this one female player, yeah. uh, Shirley Baker, and this other female baseball player goes up and talks to her, and kind of we kind of get the context that she, she doesn't know how to read, yeah. And but luckily she does make the team. She's also a Rockford Peach, um, but it's just, it's nice. Like they, this movie knows how to hit your emotions. Like every yeah. little every little step, you know, it's got good, great comedy. It's It's got pretty good action with some of the baseball stuff. Good action with baseball. Yeah. And, and good emotion. Yeah. So this league, is the All-American Girls Baseball League. And so that's kind of what this four group, these four teams are. Um, and that's what they are known as. And here we get um, Lowenstein, who is kind of like, he runs the league. Yeah. Uh, and I guess he's kind of like the commissioner, I guess, of the league is, is how else to put yeah. it. But he's showing them these uniforms with this model. And the uniforms are skimpe. <laughs> they are. I mean, it's basically like almost like What's a regular top, but it's just like a short skirt underneath. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely, definitely like you know that early '40s, '50s kind of style of <laughs> make the women do whatever the men want because it's all about pleasing the men. Yeah. But um, they gotta sell tickets somehow. Yeah. Def- sex definitely sells, not a real baseball uniform. Yeah. But. We also get just kind of a funny moments of telling the the players that there's no smoking, there's no drinking, and there's no men. And Madonna (laughs) gets up. up. She's like, fuck that. I am not. (laughs) That is not for me. Uh, Which is just kind of a funny, it's a running gag that they have throughout the entire thing is uh, May. May loves her men. 
May definitely loves her men. She is a fan of the schlong, if you will. <laughs> she loves she loves the, the pickle tickle, as John Lovett says. We also get a very funny cut, and you know how I enjoy good editing, where Lowenstein is telling all the girls that, you know, all of you women, you're going to learn to become a lady. And then it's a hard cut to Marla's face. <laughs> it's just Marla, who we set up, obviously, is not very feminine. And it's just a hard cut to her face, which is just, boom, it's and her, comedy gold. And her eyes just get huge. Yes, those huge owl eyes kind of perk up. It's really nice. Uh, and then we kind of cut to the charm school. Uh-huh. And gracefully and grandly. Gracefully and grandly. Gracefully. Uh, just kind of funny little shots of these women, um, and Marla in particular, right. you know, trying to be a proper lady so it's just it's just kind of fun our next cut uh we meet jimmy dugan mm-hmm. who jimmy dugan is one of the maybe great all-time great baseball characters uh yeah. in my in my opinion it's played by tom hanks and he's talking to mr harvey uh, who's like this you know candy guy who candy. owns the league or something yeah. like that or at least owns one of the teams, played by Gary Marshall, yeah. Penny Marshall's uh, brother. And we actually talked about both of them when we talked about uh, Hocus Pocus. Yep. Because they were both in that film. They played a couple in that yeah. one, which, <laughs> yeah, is which, is, which is a little weird. Um, but do- uh, Penny Marshall's daughter is also in this movie. Oh, nice. Do you know uh, who she is? Yeah, she plays, uh, I think it's Betty Spaghetti. Oh, that's Betty. Oh, nice. I like Betty. Oh, she gets an emotional. T- oh, we'll talk about her. Yeah. Shit. Um, but. Uh, Mr. Harvey, basically uh, owner of the Rockford Peaches, gives Jimmy uh, a managing job, you know, to manage them. And here we just really obviously get very set up that Jimmy is an alcoholic, but he was a baseball player back in the day. He was a really good baseball player who ended up hurting himself. Funny enough, he hurt hurt himself being drunk and like falling over or like he crashed a car or something, drug driving. I can't remember what it was. Right, yeah. I can't remember what it was. He fell down or something. We then cut to the locker room with all the girls kind of getting ready and Jimmy stumbles in and he's drunk as fuck and he, and now we get one of the greatest if not the greatest urination scenes <laughs> in film history goes on <laughs> for I know they, they like I've seen other movies like jokingly you know uh, reference it reference it and kind of like go just even farther with it as a joke but, right. but as as a as a strict like dramatic or slash comedic <laughs> yeah. uh, like a proper urination film and a non parody it's good though it's a yeah. funny fucking scene apparently uh, even Tom Hanks didn't know how long it was going to go because uh, Penny Marshall was down there with a hose and she was the one controlling oh. the Kind of the nice. the sound flow of what was going on, so he just had to react to what was <laughs> happening. 
Jimmy walks out without even setting up a fucking lineup. He's a terrible manager, but like the way that he sees it, he's just there to kind of get out, wave his stupid hat, right, and you know just be be the star, the old star that he kind of once was. Right. They just want to use his name. Yeah, exactly. To sell tickets. That's all it is. So Dottie kind of takes the lead here. She's really, besides being a great player, Dottie is a leader. And you can see that. So she just kind of takes up and starts being the manager for the team, if you will. She sets the lineup and keeps things moving. We see Jimmy right before the game. He does step out to the crowd and he like weighs his hat and like as the crowd's kind of like you know the five people who are there clapping him on cheering him on he's like mumbling to himself about the fucking idiots (laughs) I I love it like Tom Hanks does a great job obviously yeah fantastic honestly the few people who are there to watch this baseball game they're assholes like we get this guy who's coming out and he's like rolling up his uh, pants sleeves like girls can't play ball Batting fifth and playing left field, And then we get a very funny scene of uh, Ellen Sue, who is the one from Georgia. She was a former Miss Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> she looks it. Yeah, she's very beautiful, um, but she's tough, too, and a great ball player. And here, it's, it's, I like how they set up, you know, that they're all kind of tough, and they're all, like, you know, they're all strong, independent women. Yeah. And it's not, like, just one over the other, but, like, she takes the ball uh, hurls it at this dude and like knocks him off yeah. the dugout which is funny then we kind of like forward into the game a little bit and we get this announcer who uh, a fantastic line okay let's see if jimmy dugan gives it a green light on three and oh gives it a take side and we just cut to jimmy in the dugout drunk scratching himself in the yeah. balls <laughs> and it's love it like yeah it's good editing it's good i mean writing as well yeah um yeah it's fantastic but rockford wins this game and you know, Jimmy, he's not happy. We get so many lines in this film. Like, I forgot just how many quotable lines yeah. and how many lines, like, have, in my opinion, become huge. Yeah. Like, to me, I like this line where he says, Now, Jimmy, you have some pretty good ball players here. If you want to give them a little bit of your... Ball players! I haven't got ball players. I've got girls! One, it sets up he's an asshole. It sets up that he's a sexist. Yeah. It, it, it really shows that, you know, it's going to be a hard time to try and get him to overcome that hump right but i think we'll get there john <laughs> if narrative storytelling has ta- taught me anything <laughs> at film school yeah. it's that one of your lead characters will have to go through a journey right and i think he's one of our lead he's not our lead i would say gina davis is really yeah, our lead. she's our lead uh but but he is kind of our secondary guy yeah um but yeah but he's a dick in general <laughs> uh and now we cut to kind of uh, an overall newsreel uh, voiced by Harry Shearer. And here we kind of like meet the team and we're doing, we kind of meet a whole bunch of other things. We see a bunch of just random things about this league. And a couple lines I want to point out is as we're kind of like talking about the different players, uh, he mentions, Then there's pretty Dottie Henson, who plays like Gehrig and looks like Garbo. Uh-uh, fellas, keep your mitts to yourself. She's married. And there's her kid sister, Kit, who's as single as they come. <laughs> it's just like, holy shit, I feel bad for Kit a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then again, I know it's, it's, you know, it's harsh humor making fun of, you know, Marla know. for being ugly, but a fantastic line is it. And how about Marla Hooch? And we cut to Marla. Every other girl gets this perfect, like, nice tight shot of them. Yeah. And then Marla, it's a super wide, super far <laughs> shot. And she's yeah. just kind of, like, waving from a distance. And he goes, 
What a hitter. <laughs> doesn't know what else to say about her, but it is it's awesome. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Next, we meet Evelyn, who is another one of the ball players, mm-hmm. and she wants to take her son on the road trips with her. Little Stillwell Angel. Uh, I don't know how they ever agreed to that. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. It, no, I, but Jimmy's Jimmy's I guess got a nice enough heart to allow that. I guess. Uh, but we cut to to Stillwell Angel. He's a little fucking devil child. <laughs> he is running this up a, and down. This the is bus. another good instance of good editing. Yeah. Where Exactly. He, she mentions how much he's an angel, and the next thing you see is him running <laughs> up and down the, the bus uh, with, like, fly swatters or something. Yeah. Like, just hitting people. And he's so bad, the bus driver, like, quits. He pull, pulls yeah. over and quits immediately. And so he walks out. Funny interaction between him and the chaperone, and I can't remember her name. They have this chaperone on the bus with them who kind of follows them around, trying to make sure, you know, that they keep to the rules and regulations, and they're good, they're good girls, if you will. Yeah. But she does a really good job. For a very kind of small part, I think that actress does a good job, and I and I liked her a lot. The chaperone had some very, it was mostly comedic-based moments. Yeah. Um, you know, of other people kind of, like, making fun of her or working, you know, with her on stuff. Right. You know, we see all the girls are kind of, like, sitting outside the bus smoking, I think, drinking, just kind of, like, not giving a shit about anything. Uh, so our chaperone is trying to wake Jimmy on the bus, and Jimmy, being his drunk idiocy, grabs her in, like, his half-drunken stupor and, like, starts kissing her and making out with her. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's funny. Very comedic moments throughout yeah. the film, and he starts gets people up on the bus. And he starts about to start us driving, and he turns to her and he says, "By the way, I loved you in The Wizard of Oz." <laughs> which I, that actress looks a lot. I wonder if they improv that because well, like there's right. no way they wrote that. Yeah. They they, there's no way that they decided New, to yeah. cast someone who looked a lot like the Wicked Witch of the West, but she kind of did, and it yeah. and it worked really well. Yeah. Here we get a funny scene. Uh, all the baseball players, all the girls, uh, poison the chaperone because they have to get her out of the area and or to kind of like to sneak out. And so to get her out, they have to poison her, which is <laughs> hilarious. So now we're out at this uh, bar and they're out partying, and we get a funny little scene of you know these two guys fighting over Madonna and they're trying to get the affections of all the way May, which she's you know. She's a good dancer. She's Madonna. Right. Um, but it's, it's funny. It works well. We get Dottie comes up and she drives up. And I don't want to miss as she drives up or as this boy right. drops her off. This is maybe the most confident little, like, fucking 12-year-old <laughs> I've ever seen. And he wants to basically, like, go park with her right. and, like, you know, lean back and, you know, get his manhood going. What's your rush, doll, buddy? You say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me. And it's, it's funny, though. His little confidence is hilarious. And she, ha- she has a fantastic line kind of responding back to him. What do you say I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? That's a great comeback. Yeah, it is. So Gina comes in to tell them that, you know, the either the chaperone or somebody's coming to go look for them. And they all have to get out. Before they go, we have to get Marla Hooch, who Marla is up on stage singing and Boy, is she singing terribly. <laughs> yeah. With all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. It had to be you. 
It is hilarious. Like the jazz singers who are there, or the jazz players <laughs> who are just putting their hands to their face. They can't handle how shitty she is. And I actually never really noticed that part of it. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I, I just <laughs> never noticed the, the musician sort of like uh, yeah. face bombing. But she is singing to a man. She found somebody, John. Yeah. Which is good. You know, we're happy for her. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's got herself a guy. And this guy looks exactly like Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that. That he does, and it's awesome. We know they're in love, but we cut to we cut to the next game, and Jimmy is actually kind of paying attention this time. He's yeah. actually fin- finally starting to like semi be a manager here. And Marlo's up to bat, and Gina Davis tells her to bunt, and Jimmy's like, "What the fuck are you doing, telling her to bunt? She's our best hitter." And so here we get another one of the more memorable like visual gags in the film is. Gina Davis is doing like baseball signs, you know, like you put your hand in the hat and then you, you know, right. cross your uh, shoulders and stuff, whatever. Like, and so she steps up and then Jimmy's doing the other kind right. and Marla's just kind of going back and forth, not sure what, she's super confused. And it's the two of them doing baseballs, you know, baseball signs back and forth until basically Jimmy says, who's the fucking manager? Right. And Gina Kid Davis comes back with a nice, you know, retort to him. Act like it, you big lush. Yeah. Marla ends up hitting and she clocks it, and they end up, you know, basically getting in the lead or winning from right. that. And so Jimmy's, you know, happy about that. He kind of <laughs> proven right. Proven, yeah. Uh, we're gonna cut to the next baseball game already. I just kind of want to jump up to this thing. Yeah. And here, so Jimmy's starting to become more and more of his manager already. We're kind of seeing him finally coming around. Finally coming around, starting to. Uh, he's still an asshole though. <laughs> here he is, like you know, he's like he's interested in the baseball, but he's an asshole about it. And Evelyn starts coming up. Poor Evelyn. Poor Evelyn. And he is berating her. And then she does the worst thing you could do in Jimmy's eyes. She starts crying. (laughs) Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. People who don't even know this film know this line. Yep. It's, it's fantastic. I mean, we've all said that. I mean, if you played Little League, you probably all <laughs> used that line at some point. And the ump, a scene that you kind of like, gets like overshadowed just because of that line. But it's awesome. <laughs> the next little section that comes up, the umpire comes up to kind of pretty much tell Jimmy, stop being such a dick. Yeah. And Jimmy says back to the umpire, You want to ever tell you, you look like a penis with a little hat on? You're out of here! Oh, no, right no, no, now, no, Jimmy, you, I heard you that! Misunderstood you misunderstood me! You misunderstood me! No, I didn't. <laughs> it's awesome. I died laughing. And yes. Jimmy gets thrown out of the game. Everybody's kind of happy about that, the, yeah. the players are. But it's funny. I'm going to cut to the next baseball game. And attendance is pretty low. But we have uh, Lowenstein, you know, the, the commish. And basically, he's telling the, the girls that they need to be a little bit flashier. You know, the, right. their attendance is really low. They have to spice it up. They have to pep it up. Like, you, you know, this is an entertainment sport, basically. Right. And so to do that, Dottie kind of paves the way uh, at a pop fly. Instead of just catching it regularly, she does, She goes into a full split and yes. catches it. Only a few people can do that, including yeah. me. <laughs> but uh, it's fantastic. Like, it's, and it's that, very memorable. That actually, so it that some of that is a stunt double and some of that is actually Gina Davis. Gina Davis could not go down into the split. Uh-huh. She could get into a split, but she couldn't slide, slide down. Yeah. So the slide is a stunt double, 
but the next scene of That's her true. is her obviously doing a split. Nice. So they had to they had to do a little little bit of trickery there, but yeah. it worked well. Yeah, definitely. Now we get into a little montage of the season, and there's you know some flashiness going on. Right. Um, we get some funny lines here. Uh, all the way May saying like, you know, what what if my bosom popped out? You know, everybody would like that. That'd be flashy, right? <laughs> and we like, yeah, it'd be, it'd be flashing, definitely. And Doris's response of, uh, yeah. You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? Which works on two levels. Yeah, because okay, everybody has. Because it's Madonna. Madonna. She put that whole book of nudes out, in, yeah. uh, I think, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We also kind of, in this montage, Marla gets married, and so she's done for the season, Yeah. apparently, unfortunately. Which seems a little odd. Yeah, 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 they, you know. That that would happen. I mean, especially because she, you know, works so hard, but. Yeah, but at the same time, you can also assume that she didn't get much attention from guys early on. Yes. In her life, and so now she's got it, and so she's, she's she good. wants it right away. Yeah. So, that's fine. Plus, I think if Marla really is as good of a player as it is, mm-hmm. it doesn't set up the, it wouldn't be as much of a struggle for them uh, come the World Series. Yeah, true. So, if, yeah, if Marla was on that team come the World Series, yeah, they, they would have fucking destroyed yeah. thinking about it. I don't know if they went that to think that far yeah. about it, but... Yeah, they were, they should have been like easily the top team. If they, yeah, with both Dottie and Marla and on Marla. the team, yeah. that, they would have flown through. They would have swept Racine. Yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yep. Um, but in general, right now, things are just going well for the league. They're going well for the girls, going well for Jimmy. Um, we get a scene uh, on the bus where Dottie kind of shows... Jimmy a picture of her husband who's played by Bill Pullman uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, kind of a small part in this film but you know we've talked about Bill Pullman and plenty of things basically we know that he is out in the war right now so he's out fighting in the war just want to set that up but we get it it's, just, it's a good little scene because basically what it does is it sets up Jimmy and Dottie as like they're getting along yeah. you know that they, they are they, they highly they're starting to really really respect each other in the next game, here we see Kit is having issues. Kit is, you know, a pitcher, and eventually she gets pulled from the game. And Dottie agrees with Jimmy about pulling her. So it's it's really also starting to set up now that Jimmy, that Kit, Kit's just she's she's a pissy little little yeah. sister, and she's a pitcher who can't she can't uh, deal with being thrown out of a game. Yeah, which is a bit unfortunate. If you're a pitcher, you kind of have to shelve your you know, ego for the better of the team, I would imagine. Right. But especially for, you know, if you're in later innings, you have to deal with it. But whatever. We get a little scene here of Harvey Lowenstein, or Harvey talking to Lowenstein, basically saying that the league won't be going on next year, which is unfortunate, but Lowenstein really wants it to happen. So he's kind of like the driving force of this league, and he's like the good guy. Harvey's not really a good guy. He's just kind of like... He's in it for the money. That's all he cares about. Uh, But Lowenstein actually cares about baseball, and he cares about these women which yeah. you can tell i want to point out that at the end of uh, a game that we're, that's going on right now is the announcer says and that is the ball game Rockford is in the playoffs all right we've already established <laughs> there are four teams in this league four teams uh-huh so how is there even a playoff right like is it as is there a chance that they would not make it? Are they only doing two teams for the playoffs? Or do all four teams make it? And so it's like, well, yes, then they, of course they made it because only four teams and they're all going to make it into the playoffs. Well, so I'm confused. It, like, it, it doesn't feel like they go straight to the World Series. It feels like there's there's some, there's got to be something in between. Yeah. So, yeah, I think all four teams make it to the playoffs. I, I guess so. But they specifically say the playoffs and then at a different time, someone says, all right, we're in, like, it's, it's the World Series. And yeah. so, like, 
there has to be a difference, right? They can't be well, the after, same thing. I think it's after this scene. Yes, after this scene, um, where we have the sad scene in the locker room. Yeah. When Jimmy comes in, he goes, "I was reading my contract, and when, and I get a bonus when we get to the World You're Series." Right. So they have to be doing some sort of playoff. I think so, but they don't establish that very well. <laughs> so and again, only four teams. <laughs> that's but that's said like at least several times. Several times, yeah. yeah. But all right. Also, here at this spot, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, Doris, and Kit kind of start fighting. She's Doris being like the little sassy, kind of a- semi asshole that she is, yeah. New York, New York kind of person who's like yeah. jabbing at Kit. Kit doesn't take it very well, and like basically they two start legitimately fighting on the baseball field. Yeah. A funny spot, but Jimmy is like carrying Kit, and throws her into the showers, and throws cold water on her. Yeah, it's basically it's come to a head. Kit is really pissed off that she's constantly being overshadowed by her better sister Dottie her yeah. bigger sister and yeah my, my question is is that how you felt being my brother did you always feel overshadowed like ever since I came out and then you're just like man well this little bastard is better than me at everything I'm the older one yeah, so I'm, I'm the better one. I'm the daughter but Dottie I'm the here. yeah well yeah you think you're the Dottie D- Dottie is a state of mind it's not being <laughs> just the older person all right <laughs> I'm Dottie then I'm Marla. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fine. I'll be the pretty one who's good and you're good at shit, but... Abby can be Kit. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Abby's Kit. <laughs> Done. She doesn't listen anyway, so... But Dottie is talking to Lowenstein and, um, you know, he wants to try and figure out the solution and Dottie tells him, no, trade me because I'm having problems. Kit is having problems with me. And so she tells Lowenstein, the commissioner, to trade her from the Rockford Peaches. But what happens instead, like at the very next cut, apparently Kit gets traded instead. Right. Kit's get, Kit gets traded to Racine. Which seems weird to me because yeah. in, in the professional baseball league, they would never <laughs> allow trades yeah, during the playoffs. I was, my exact thing that I wrote down was, <laughs> is there no trade deadline in this, in this <laughs> league? Like, especially right before playoffs? Right. Playoffs. Uh, guess not. Uh, in the locker room, you know, it's we're starting playoffs basically, or we're starting whatever this this game is. It is playoffs, yeah. and it's cute. They're doing a little song here. Uh, yeah. Ellen, Sue, and Eve- Evelyn have kind of like written this song yeah. uh, about the league, and and they all kind of sing it together. Yeah, it's cute. We're the members of the All American League. We come from cities near and far. We got Canadian. At the end of this little spot, this postman walks in, and he's got a letter from the War Commission. It's uh, it's troubling. It's very emotional. Yeah. And you know, Jimmy basically grabs the letter from the guy because he doesn't know who it's supposed to go to. Right. And he, he like, like who is this freaking postman who's yeah. cannot understand? Like, how does yeah. he not understand how insensitive? Oh no, because he even like, I mean, it's. it's he gives a little bit of like saying exposition of like, oh, I hate when these things come in. You don't have to tell somebody that their husband's yeah, dead. Yeah, but like, it's like it's, I mean, that's to tell the audience like, hit it in the face of what it's about. It's rough, and that guy should be more sensitive. Yes. <laughs> so we get an extremely emotional scene of Jimmy is walking over to near Dottie, and we know that her husband is off in the war because yeah. she showed that picture, but ultimately. He hands the letter to Betty Spaghetti. Who's sitting behind Who's Dottie. sitting right beside Dottie. Yeah. And 
she busts out crying and the yeah. music swells yeah. and it just it man it it makes you feel emotional it makes you feel sad and like you feel for betty right there you feel for dotty right yeah. there at the same time um so it it's it's a it's this spot that just yeah really gets you it's one of my more memorable scenes for me in the film but we cut to dotty in you know obviously i guess whatever game they played they finished with <laughs> i guess yeah. it was about to happen but whatever and Dottie's in her room crying, you know, because she's just overcome with emotion about about what could have happened. Yeah, what could have been. What could have been. Uh, but then at this point, in limps Bill Pullman, yeah. uh, her husband, who just happened to get off at this perfect timing. <laughs> uh, that is probably the most surprisingly coincidental thing in the entire film. Right. Um, that he gets out and he, he made it out alive. He got injured from a sniper. But we cut to the next day. You know, they're all trying to get on the bus They've got to, uh, you know, get ready, get ready for the next, I guess their next road trip or the next game. Uh-huh. Uh, a funny scene uh, with another, with a fantastic line where this kid gives base, gives Jimmy a baseball to sign. And then he reads what he signed. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. <laughs> what it is, it's fantastic advice, actually. Um, I don't know from experience, not at all. Uh, but it is, it's well done. It's just, it's one of those like Jimmy Dugan lines that, that just, it works so well in this film. Yeah. But Dottie, now with her husband back from war, is going to quit baseball yep. in the middle of fucking playoffs. And she's quitting baseball. It doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. And Jimmy is not happy no. about it. No, Jimmy's pissed. Which she ends up leaving with her husband, and now we get a little montage of the World Series. We're kind of like we're in the World Series now. I guess they got through playoffs or whatever. Whatever. I'm not gonna keep ranting about that. Yeah. But we're we're in the World Series. Kit is playing for the other team, of course. Yeah. Racing. Racing. We kind of montage. We're just gonna go ahead and montage through. It's tied three to three. Did you recognize one of the racing players? Yes. I. I it was. Um, she was. She hit the ball, and I was like, "Oh my god, I've seen your face." It's Tia Leone. Yes, Tia Leone. Yes, I thought. I thought that was her. I couldn't rec- uh, pick the name out yeah. right away, but I was like, "Oh, you're an actress. Yeah. You're a pr- fairly large actress." Yeah. So nice. Large is in well known, not yeah, large is yeah, in yeah. physically no, large. We're now at the game seven of the World Series of the first year of the All American Girls Baseball League, and we're in the locker room getting ready for the last game and jimmy leads the team in a little prayer he gets them ready and then he adds in this extra line which i think is hilarious he says lord i just like to thank you for that waitress in south bend you know who she is she kept calling your name (laughs) those little lines that i know yeah we've talked about this in almost every episode but like those lines that you didn't pick up on but boy you pick on them pick up on them now and they just they make everything better (laughs) And then uh, we kind of get started about to in like the warm up for the game, and we see Dottie is actually in the catcher's gear, and she surprises Jimmy Dugan that she is there and uh, gonna do her, gonna actually play this time. She yep. and ultimately she couldn't stay away. Yeah, she misses it too much. Of course, he's gonna let her play because she is pretty much the best player in the league. Yeah. Another funny scene of Stillwell Angel being a little shit, uh, singing to himself. You're gonna lose. He's not singing to himself, singing to the team. Right. He's just being a little asshole. Jimmy grabs a mitt, chucks it at him, like nails him in the face. <laughs> he stumbles backwards. I like it. I like I like pretty much everything that Jimmy Dugan does. Well, and I, I like his turn on that point because 
you know, he he's talking to Dottie, and and she's and he's like, well, you know, Alice is already to play, but you're already dressed and <laughs> stuff. And then as he's walking away, she goes, Jimmy, you look like shit. Do you ever shave? Yeah. And he's like, is that the point where he's like, yeah, we're gonna win. Yeah. yeah. And then chucks the glove. It's still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He obviously really respects Dottie. He probably even like likes her a little bit. But they don't go into it, and you don't need it. No. You don't want it, because their relationship isn't that, and you yes. don't want it to be that. But it is, it's a highly respectful relationship, yes. which makes me very happy, and it works really well. Uh, yeah, so he's now feeling confident, and so that's really good. We're gonna, I'm going to speed through the game a little bit, and we're going to get we're in late into the game, and the uh, opposing team gets ahead of run because of this error that Evelyn does. It's kind of funny. He was like a little bit pissed at her. He's kind of like shaking and his whole body <laughs> convulsing as he can't, as he's trying not to be an asshole anymore. So now we're seeing, we're seeing Jimmy's storyline, kind of his, his journey going from complete drunk asshole to asshole manager to not even really a drunk guy anymore. And he's just is becoming a nice manager. And he's yeah. like, he's actually trying, but they get ahead and Kit is pitching, of course, because right. you have to have Kit in the game for yep. this, you know, just for the emotional tie-in. As she's pitching, Rockford is now getting starting to get hits on her. So she's getting, again, she's late into the game. She's starting to just kind of suck. Yeah. We've seen and that she, before. And she gets frustrated easily, you yes. can tell. Yeah. Uh, so, like, May and Doris both get on bat, up, get on uh, base. And now Dottie's up to bat. When Dottie's up there, you're kind of, like, curious. Like, is she, you know, what's what's going on? Is she going to actually, like... Homer off of Kit, like right. because you know she she wants the best for Kit. Yeah. But so you're not sure. But what she does do is she gives a line drive straight at Kit's head. <laughs> and Kit has to duck to to not die. It basically it ends up, you know, giving Dottie two RBIs and they uh, take the lead. So Rockford is up two to one. Now it's now going into the bottom of the ninth. We are in the end. So Racine was Racine was home. Yep. Dottie as Dottie walks up to the plate to start the bottom of the ninth, she sees Kit crying. Kit, Kit you know, can't hold herself. She's yeah. in, she's, she kind of, she feels she ruined the game right. um, by giving up the lead at this late. And, you know, I, I think this is kind of, I think this comes back to us, I'll say. But, but her seeing Kit crying is important, I feel. We'll go through, Racine gets a person onto first, and now there ends up being two outs. So now there's, Two outs, a person on first, and Kit is up to bat. Yep. Holy shit, the emotion is running high right yep. now. Dottie goes up to Ellen Sue, who is our pitcher right yep. now, and basically she tells her, throw fastballs, high fastballs. Kit can't lay off them, and she can't hit them. Yep. We saw that in the beginning of the movie, and so we're just like, okay. I like how a lot of the little things from the beginning of the movie do yeah. come back in different ways throughout Absol the rest of it. Absolutely. We end up getting two pitches, two high fastballs. Both Kit can't hit for shit. Right. And then on the third one, Kit adjusts things, and she actually makes a good hit mm -hmm. deep into the outfield, uh, off the high one. And we get that one run scores. And basically, as Kit's rounding third, she does not listen to her third base coach. That is not proper baseball. Right. I was always told, as you're rounding second, look up at the third base coach. He'll tell you what to do. Right. Kit didn't give a fuck. She rounds third anyway, and she's going to go for home. She is going for broke. She's either going to win or lose this game. Well, actually, at this point, it's already tied, so it's right. either going to extra innings. So I yeah. guess she wants to be the hero, or she's just she's so focused yeah. at this spot. And we get a classic scene, like 
Dottie gets the ball very early, like probably halfway. Yeah. But when Kit's halfway to her from third base, and we get the classic runner versus catcher yep. collision at the plate, and Dottie can't hold on to the ball. Do you think she dropped it on purpose? Absolutely. I absolutely do too. I think she dropped it on purpose. I think specifically that scene of when Dottie looks at Kit crying, yeah. she feels bad for her sister and she wants to give her sister a moment. Yeah. Finally give her sister a moment. And this is her chance to do that. And I think it also confirms it is, you know, as the racing players are lifting Kit up and like walking her out and she's like the hero. Gina Davis has this huge grin on her face. Well, it's a little sly grin, really. Right. And while Jimmy is like side by side, really being sad and upset, yeah. she's just like she's happy for her sister. Yeah. She's not. She's at this moment. She is not sad at all that she lost. She's extremely happy for her sister. Yeah. And so, I, I absolutely, I think you know, she had all the time in the world. Everything was in her favor. Yeah. To get her out. Yeah. In fact, she didn't even need to stand at the plate. She could have caught the ball and then just tagged right. her very easily. Like, no, I think she, yeah, wholeheartedly yeah. made yeah. that. Yeah. Dottie heads out, and we kind of get her and Kit talking. Um, Dottie decides she's not going to come back next season. You know, they say their goodbyes. Dottie then kind of has her goodbyes with Jimmy, right. um, who actually has apparently turned down a managing job for AAA to keep managing the Rockford Peaches, which is nice. So his he's really done a whole 180 with his storyline, and so now he is just like you know a respectable guy, and he respects these women, you know, for being ball players, which right. is fantastic. I mean, I don't know if we really mentioned this was a real league. Yes, no, yeah, we this, haven't talked about this that. Really happened. Yeah, this was a, a legitimate league that ran. I can't remember from the 40s, like 43 or or something to like uh, 40 to like 54, something like that. I can't remember how long it was. Yeah, something like that. Something around that. I don't that. in front of me yeah. at the moment. But it was a, a legitimate league that happened that real women played baseball. There's actually a, a, a documentary that came out before this movie mm-hmm. that came out in 1990 that is only okay, uh, but it does kind of like just break down all their, all their different spots. And you see, you can wholeheartedly see that this mo- that documentary was an inspiration for the film and they probably yeah. tied things or maybe if not they like they were planning things around each other because in that documentary they talk about these old ladies who kind of get back together to play an old like an old ladies game yeah and you see that here in this movie yeah. is what they're all kind of going back to do and that's yeah. kind of what the documentary covered but you see there are some like real life people who you're like oh my god all the all the way may was 100 based off of you or Doris or Marla Hooch was based off it, or Dottie was right. definitely based off some of these people. So I, I would recommend that. It was also called A League of Their Own. I saw that, uh, which was really cool. I forgot to mention this at the top, but actually, just two weeks ago, um, we had the Women's Baseball World Cup, where you know each country submits a team, mm-hmm. um, and it is it's baseball, not softball. They were playing yeah. baseball, and I actually they were showing some of this stuff live on YouTube. Um, and I, I was, I kind of saw it and I started watching it a few, uh, uh, like during the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, Japan won apparently for the sixth time in a row. Holy moly! So I would, uh, anyone who follows baseball knows that Japan also has a very good league. And they they love the game over there and they yeah. take it very seriously. Huge baseball um, fans. So it does not surprise me that their their women's team um, would, would basically be the champions yeah. pretty much every year. They're dominated, but um, it was fun. The, the amazing girls, amazing athletes. 
Um, if, if you get a chance to watch it next year, I highly recommend it. Uh, as we're kind of wrapping up the film, uh, we kind of go back, you know, we're transported into present day, if you will, and uh, we kind of get all the all the players starting to like kind of re-see each other. And the casting for the old ladies, uh, as I mentioned, fooled <laughs> me earlier, but they did a good job of casting the older counterparts yeah. to the actresses. Basically, Dottie is saying hi to them, and we're kind of getting getting to see those old players, and it works really well. All these women are kind of coming back to Cooperstown because they're kind of having an exhibit that is honoring the years of the Women's Baseball League. And we kind of get some just kind of flooding in. It's it's kind of it's a weird scene, in, in my opinion, only in that it's not weird bad, but it's like we just saw a lot of these pictures and a lot of these clips and then like now we're transported quote unquote into like the present but we're seeing them get their see their nostalgia and see like their memories and it's like it's weird i just watched it but at the same time like i'm feeling the nostalgia for them for the old people at the same time and it just it worked really well for me like i liked i liked kind of going back and it also kind of honestly brought me back of like going into cooperstown ourselves like when we do that and like looking up that stuff um, and how emotional it would be to like if you actually had a league that would then be honored in Cooperstown. That'd be fucking awesome. Kit ends up coming. Dottie kind of reunites with her sister, but that's really not much here yeah. or there. Uh, and we kind of end on a scene of the, all the old players of the old Rockford Peaches take a picture together, and it crossfades, uh, cross dissolves into the younger picture of them. Right. Um, and then we end the credits roll. It ends with uh, this Madonna song, Used to Be My Playground, which is not my favorite Madonna song. No. no. This used to be my playground. This used to be my childhood dream. This used to be the place I ran to. I think it's at the end of credits where they, they do kind of show some, like, I think they're actual older baseball older female players that are like kind of playing the game yeah i think that's what they are like they're they're not the fake players okay they're not the fake players they're the real ones i think okay but i'm not sure but one thing i didn't love is that during the credits they're also rolling like pictures from the league that we just saw of the fake players i really wish they would have done real pictures yeah of like the real league and at that moment given some of like the real baseball players like just a just a little bit of credit you know yeah. just just show like here are some of the legit players as opposed to oh now we're seeing an old-timey photo of gina davis like i, I just saw that right i want to see some of the real ones I, I love it when films like that are somewhat based on reality show the real thing at the end yes no you're right that's exactly how they should have been yeah. so i want to go into so let's talk about the film our final thoughts to me this movie is not good it's great it's absolutely amazing mm-hmm. and because it's a period piece it helps the movie stay relevant in my in my opinion that, yes you know even though they kind of have a quote-unquote present at the top and bottom of the film that doesn't really matter like the bulk of it is set in the 40s it works well in the 40s and so like watching it now doesn't make me feel like the film is dated because it's supposed to be dated yes so it works but this film has so many things going right for it it's got a great score from Hans Zimmer um, it's so it's emotional I found myself choking up at times with all the emotion. I also found myself busting out laughing at times because there was a lot of really good humor. The writing and the humor from Penny Marshall that she helps bring in this one, fantastic. There are so many quotable lines. I forgot just how many quotable lines are in this film. And Gina Davis's performance, 
everybody's performance. I mean, all the people we talked about, Marla yeah. or uh, Marla Hooch's character was great. Lori Petty played a very petty <laughs> kid very well. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Mad- Madonna, uh, Rosie O'Donnell was great. Like Rosie yeah. O'Donnell wasn't all that big, in, I, I don't think, until like after this movie. And I think this movie yeah. kind of helped bring her out there. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Tom Hanks. He did a great job. This was right at like not the peak of Tom Hanks, but like he was he was on the up and he was He's, almost getting to the peak of Tom Hanks. This is like yeah. right before Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. And then Forrest Gump. This is some of the best Tom Hanks. I, I mean, maybe hard to say that because there's yeah. also Apollo 13. Like, so this is maybe not the best Tom Hanks, but this is still this is fucking it's, great. It's good. It's and it's good. And I don't know if I, I don't think of this as a Tom Hanks movie. This is an yeah. ensemble. movie. Oh yes, absolutely. This is, you know, I mean, yes, Gina Davis is kind of the star. She's the focus of it. But you feel like they're a team. You don't feel like this is a movie about Gina Davis that happens around her. It yeah. feels like a team movie. Yep. I um, and I, I agree with you. I've always known it was a good movie, but going back and watching it now just solidifies it as it's one of the greatest movies of the early 90s. Yeah. It might be one of the greatest movies of the 90s. Yeah. I, you forget how good this film is. Yeah. I really did until I resaw it. Yeah. It's gotten better with age. It's gotten better as I've aged, yes. I will say. I've, yeah. I've gotten more connected with the film. I've gotten more emotional with it. Where, it, yeah, you're right. And I think that makes a mark of a good film that it can reach an audience and generations in different ways. This is slightly off topic, but uh, I found, especially nowadays, if a cartoon can reach my kids and me at the same time, mm-hmm. it's good quality. It's just good quality entertainment. Anything yep. that can reach generations, multiple. So, and which means that when you go back and watch it when you're older, it'll always last. If you guys haven't seen League of Their Own in a long time, do yourselves a favor. Go back and watch it. It's emotional. It's 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 funny. It hits you everywhere. You're gonna be so happy that you see this movie. we're going to talk about the 90s Nickelodeon show Legends of the Hidden Temple. It ran from 1993 to 1995, a total of three seasons, and this is an athletic-based competition show for kids. Yeah. Basically, uh, it's a show that you have to complete a couple different series of tests to try and get this secret treasure. Every episode was surrounded by a random treasure crazy things like the legend of the royal torque of Queen Boadicea, the mystical spellbook of the Imperial Wizard. Your quest is to find the walking stick of Harriet Tubman and bring it back here. <laughs> or random, complete random shit that fit really well with their style. Yeah. With how they're doing it. The show starred, was ho- the show was hosted by Kirk Fogg, who no one's ever heard of before or since, <laughs> uh, but he was great on that show. It also starred this big, giant, talking stone head who was voiced by D. Bradley Baker. Who we've talked about before, and he's a huge name in, um, yep. in voiceover. Yeah, he was Perry the Platypus in Phoenix and Ferb, and he's Klaus in American Dad, the yeah. little talking fish. And apparently, when he was talking, he would pull the mouth with a string. So he'd like, he would like be the puppeteer? He would be the puppeteer okay. of it, and then the, the eyes uh, were just voice sensitive, so they glowed as he talked. Nice. Uh, yes, yeah, it worked so. well. 
Yeah, uh, I was. Yeah, big Olmec. He also had some of the best damn puns in the entire <laughs> show. Always, Kirk would turn to Olmec and say, "All right, are we ready?" And he would say something like, "Rock on!" or right. "Let's rock and roll." See, because he's a big stonehead. You get it. <laughs> um, but it was funny. As much as Kirk and Olmec could have a good dynamic, <laughs> they had a good dynamic together. I was definitely a fan. The show it started off with six teams of one boy and one girl each, mm-hmm. and they all had fantastic team names, and they were the same team names for every episode. Yeah. Will it be the Red Jaguars? The Blue Barracudas? The Green Monkeys? The Orange Iguanas? The Purple Parrots? Or the Silver Snakes? Fantastic little group of teams that had like their their color and their uh their animal and their little attire would always be like these pair of cargo shorts or these pair like you know khaki shorts their team shirt and like this yellow helmet right (laughs) it's very iconic i feel like i've seen i always see someone for halloween dressed up as a legend of the hidden temple contestant i would be shocked if i don't see one here at the long beach comic-con you don't see that i don't oh man i see it all the time uh, maybe I just hang out with people around my age, and that's what they do. <laughs> Fair. So I hang out with little kids because yeah. I'm forced to. Yes, but the mo- the show starts off with like this. Uh, there's not like a great theme song, honestly, for yeah. the for the show. It starts off with like these jungle sounds, and then kind of like a simple beat, like almost kind of like oh yes, jungleish kind of theme vibe. Uh, and then we get to Olmec, who kind of introduces the show very quickly and just kind of says, "Welcome to the Legends of the Hidden Temple." <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple. With your guide, Kirk Hogg. I forgot about how the show opened, and when it started, I kind of it kind of get flood back to me. Like, mm. oh yeah, I remember this. I remember how this opened. I you know yeah. I remember this going through the going through the bush stuff. Yeah, exactly. But the the actual gameplay of the show. Uh, it typically started off with like this kind of physical physical challenge kind of thing where you had to cross a moat somehow. Both team members had to cross this moat, and the first four teams to get across would have to hit their gong. It would make like this gong sound, like a, not like a real gong sound, but like their specific yeah. gong sound. It a button. It was really a button, sound. yeah, and yeah. it says it rings your gong. Yeah, and, the, and you would have every episode is kind of like a different way you had to cross this moat. Right. It's usually like there was like a rope across that you had to like climb or like this boat that you had to somehow kind of paddle or something like that to get each person around there. And they would immediately remove two teams that didn't make it. So, yeah. you know, very quickly it would be four teams, four out of six make it to the next round, which the next round is the Steps of Knowledge. Yeah. Which always started off with Olmec telling this story about yeah. whatever the treasure was and it was a kind of a cheesy story as well as a very cheesy uh like images or like a little shitty video kind of thing right. and it looks it looks really bad but it you know it worked for its time then they would ask these kids trivia based off of the story that Olmec just told them it reminded me too much of like the standardized test reading questions you'd have to take. <laughs> it was very you similar. Make, you had to read a whole story and then yeah. answer questions about the story. Yeah, uh, I agree. To answer the questions, they had to stomp on this buzzer. So the buzzer wasn't like 
up at the ground or a pedestal or a button right. that they had they had to stomp on the button and so you always got like these bunch of kids just uh, smacking the ground <laughs> yeah. as they were trying to answer these questions uh, and you know what? I remember I wholeheartedly I didn't see it in the episodes that I've rewatched and I actually rewatched like four, five six yeah. episodes where I know that there were times where these kids were like not stomping on the right section and nothing would light up or like the buzzer was broken and so these kids would just be like sitting there fucking stomping on the ground and nothing would be happening yeah. when they recorded they would record six episodes in one day and they mm. would do one section each day Oh, wow. So one day they would do the river crossing thing, yeah. and they would do that for six episodes. Then the oh, next day okay. they would do the steps of knowledge stuff, oh, and wow. they would do that for six episodes. And then they would like so they would they yeah. would just record each once they had the set up. They just left it there, and they did so, all of that episodes for that day. So if you were the sixth kid or the sixth <laughs> team filming, then that means that these other kids had been stomping on that fucking thing, and so it probably yeah busted <laughs> up a little bit. Uh, that makes sense. So the top two teams would move on. Whoever, pretty much the first two teams to, to answer three questions correctly would move on to the Temple Games. Mm-hmm. And right before they did the Temple Games, they always had this section where Kirk would like talk to the kids. And it was like always the most awkward interview. <laughs> he would like ask him like, oh, what's your name? And how old are you? Some, some, and like ask him like, oh, you know, what's a hobby you like or some shit like that. And these kids, boy, were they awkward kids. Yeah, <laughs> they were so awkward. They were there to win, not to talk. Yeah, that's for sure. At the Temple Games, this is their chance to where they could win Pendants of Life. And the Pendants of Life are things that they could use in the actual Temple run that, that they could use when the Temple Guard came to give them so they wouldn't be taken away Yeah, kind of thing. So, uh, and, and these things were always kind of like a, like a physically challenged kind of thing uh, in the Temple Games, particularly stuff that, like, I feel like they always had to, like, Velcro something to their head every every time, or at least at the beginning of those. It was always funny. It would be basically three games, and the first two you would get like a half pendant, and on the third thing that they did, uh, you get a full pendant. And whoever won the most pendants mm-hmm. or who won the most games would move on. Or if you had if you had tied and you know each one one full pendant, then they would have like a tiebreaker off a trivia right. question, that kind of thing. So, and then whoever won that would move on to the actual temple, and the temple was awesome yeah like, it was huge in my opinion i feel like this show gets put together with guts pretty often because they're both kind of physical shows yeah they're both competition Ni- shows if you think about it nickelodeon did a lot of kids yeah. physical challenges show yeah they had guts uh legend of hidden temple yeah. double, dare. double dare did they do wild and crazy kids uh yeah yeah it was nickelodeon yeah yeah so, so yes yeah, so that was a big thing for them definitely and it worked well like i I watched all of those yes, shows. every single one of them. But at the beginning of it, Olmec would kind of give us this rundown of the entire temple each time and just kind of go through every room by room, which was awesome. It wasted a lot of time, honestly, on yeah. the show, but it was fun. You could start by climbing through the ledges and climbing down into the rock quarry. Throw five rocks into the bucket and lift the slab, then race into the laser light room. Unleash the power of the special white laser, and you could go up into Medusa's lair, or into the treacherous swamp. If you escape, you might have a chance to enter the dark forest. Reach into the hole and find the key, but be careful. One of the trees could be inhabited by the spirit of a temple guard. If they grab you, you'll have to give up a pendant of life. Next, plow through the wall and into the mine shaft. There, ride the elevator up into the lightning room. 
connect the power cords to create your own lightning, which will open the door to the shrine of the Silver Monkey. Um, really, it's just like the temple was the best part of the show. Like right. everything else leading up to it was only okay, but I definitely I love the temple. So we are starting off at the temple run, and inevitably, like the kids are running around. They look like idiots half the time. I feel because they don't know where they're going, and I, and of course, being an audience member. You kind of see everything, right. and you're kind of like, "Why don't you go? Why'd you go in that direction? Go in the other direction, you idiot!" Uh, but they, they would be—it's basically an obstacle course that you know you would run around and try and just to try and get through to get to grab like, the actual treasure. Yeah, it's like a—it's like a obstacle course mixed with a maze, yeah. sort of. And those temple guards would pop the shit out of anywhere, yeah, and they would scare the fuck out of these kids. I yeah. think it scared. I mean, I heard uh, in an interview like much later f- f- with the. Uh, star with uh, Kirk Fogg that yeah like multiple kids cried once these temple guards popped out and scared them like they scared them like that fucking much and those are actually just like stage hands yeah stage assistants <laughs> they just threw in a costume yeah that makes sense and the the kids get three minutes to basically run in do the obstacles try and avoid the temple guards if they can grab whatever the treasure is um, but I do want to call out there are two rooms that were like the scariest yeah. in in my opinion uh, one was like this scary forest. I can't remember what it was called, but it appeared in season two. Okay. Um, and basically, like, it had this little creepy forest, and like, it was for me, it was the worst because the temple guard was like hiding in a tree, and it would like grab somebody, right? And it was just scary as that, scary from there. But then also, probably the most infamous room in the entire series is the shrine of the silver monkey, and that's where these kids had to stack this monkey puzzle on top uh-huh. of each other and none of these fucking kids could do it like a couple of them did i guess but they were so bad at it and you're just screaming <laughs> screaming you're like it doesn't go that way turn it upside down no you're putting the fucking body on first you're supposed to put the base on first like it was ridiculous now i did hear in that same interview that like the puzzle is a little bit more difficult than it looks, it looks but at the same time, it's three fucking pieces, right. and the head is obviously what it is. The base is obvious. It shouldn't be that hard. Right. So that's that's kind of like the gist. Um, inevitably, typically, a temple guard would, would more often than not take whoever was the first runner, uh, because even if they had like a full pendant, you know, you would run into, there's three whole temple guards, uh. so you would have to take, you know, they would end up taking usually the first one away, and then the other person had to fill in and go get started from where the other person got off get the shit and then if they got out in three minutes they got the big prize which the prizes on this show were awful besides like the big prize <laughs> right which like a lot of the times this show was is a very sponsored show yeah like after every round they're like and if they win this round here they get uh, this toy by whatever or right. it was like this uh i remember seeing a bunch of gift cards for like this shitty clothing store or something that I've never even heard of anymore. Right. But the main the main thing that each person like got at the end was like a trip. It's like uh, I saw a couple of them that were trips to Space Camp, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them were like a trip to Universal Studios, which actually I think they shot in Universal <laughs> Studios, so not much of a trip for these contestants since they were right. already there. Um, or things like that. This show was a lot of fun. I don't have a bunch to say about it. Yeah. Because there's not really a story no. that, that weaves in between each episode. Right. But there is what made this show fun to me and what I think made the show better than just a raw competition show, something like Guts, was it had a narrative in each show. Like, 
each show was based around whatever that treasure was that they had to find. Yeah. And so you had that story of whatever it was. Yeah. And, it, and it, that storyline ran through every obstacle that they did or, you know, the story that uh, Olmec talked about. And it was awesome. It helped, it helped keep it uh, from being stagnant every time. Yeah. And that, that temple is, to me, super iconic. More iconic, honestly, than the aggro crag. Like, yeah. I would... I would love, I would pay money, and I've said this before with American Gladiators, if they did like an adult-sized temple, uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, like uh, obstacle course somewhere, Uh sign me up. I want to do this. Like, give me a partner. (laughs) I want to do this show. And honestly, the show itself is dated. It's fine. It's old. it's, It's not something I will be going back to to watch very much, but it is... 100% 100% a show that I loved as a kid, and I think it's better than Guts. I think it's it's one that is more fun. I will I will agree with that. It's much better than Guts. It's much more fun to watch. The story mm. around whatever the treasure is helps it. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've always kind of liked trivia, so yeah. I like that. Yeah, it, this I like that. it's It's not just physical challenges the whole way. It's physical challenges plus trivia because it... Because you feel like you can play a little bit at home. You can yeah. shout out the answer with them as you as you go, and yeah. I think that helped a lot. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I remember I distinctly remember watching it a lot as a kid. I probably won't ever go back and, and watch it again. No, um, but if they ever did an updated version, Which, I would watch the hell they out should. of that. I hope they do. Yeah. So Nickelodeon, listen to us. We will produce it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then I'll probably push the kids away, and then I'll just run the damn thing because that's what I want to do. <laughs> This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is brought to you by Sockum Boppers. Sockum Boppers, Sockum Boppers, more fun than a pillow fight. Blow them up, put your hand inside, get ready to have the time of your life. Sockum Boppers, more fun than a pillow fight. All right, and now we are going to do our casting portion. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, uh, we're similar to our last baseball casting. We are casting a team. But this one, we are casting a team of our favorite baseball characters. Characters from baseball movies. Some of them will probably be from movies we have talked about. Some of them will be movies we haven't yet talked about. Possibly may never talk about. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> um, but we're going to do all the positions plus manager. So manager, pitcher, catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, and right field. So I let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, let's go ahead and start with our manager. That's okay. our leader. So, uh, I will go ahead and start. There have been lots of good managers. Jimmy Dugan, we talked about, was a good manager. Uh, I forget the character's name, but the one from Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he was was, awesome. uh, Funny. Uh, But I went with a manager who is from a movie that is on our list and I think we'll maybe eventually get to. And it's a baseball movie. And it's a kid playing baseball. But he's a manager. And I went with character of Billy Haywood from the movie Little Big League. Oh, he is my manager. Okay. Because he was smart. Yeah. He knew how to run a team. I I didn't think of him. <laughs> I didn't think of him at all. But I like that. It's a different choice. Uh-huh. I, I racked my brain. I like that call because it's a different call. Uh, we're starting off with our manager, and this is probably this is one that I just talked about. And I, I couldn't honestly think of a better, more entertaining manager if I wanted to have a manager uh-huh. that I was watching in a movie right. than the movie I just watched. <laughs> Jimmy it's, Dugan. Yeah. I got Jimmy Dugan it's because solid. he's fun. 
Yeah. And so I guess I kind of thought of this as eh, a mix of different stuff of who would be fun to watch in a movie, right. <laughs> who would be a good either baseball player right. or base manager. But obviously Jimmy's a good manager once he gets off the off the drink. <laughs> um, I like your call because it was different and we just talked about yeah. League of Their Own. But yeah, it's a good choice. Man, it's a good choice. All right. So let's get into our players. Um, let's start with our pitcher. Okay. Uh, probably one of the more visible ones that would be in a movie. Yeah. Um, I'll let you start this one. Okay. I didn't quite go nostalgic because this pitcher, who is maybe my favorite pitcher in any TV show or movie or whatever, uh-huh. uh, is only from like, I don't know, maybe eight years ago. Oh. He's also not a starting pitcher, but a lot of the pitchers in uh, these movies are not starting pitchers. That's true. Like... In Rookie of the Year, Rowan Gardner is a closer. Right. Uh, Ricky Vaughn yep. is a closer. And my guy is a closer. And he's one of the most badass closers. And he was modeled after John Rocker when he was a Brave. <laughs> I went with Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down oh, as my pitcher. <laughs> if you're talking entertainment, nothing beats Kenny Powers for entertainment. <laughs> Put him next to Jimmy Dugan as a manager. <laughs> Fuck yes. I am happy. That's all I need, man. So I'm good. I got I got Kenny Powers as my pitcher, oh, and I am so happy with that choice. That's uh, I. <laughs> you don't I know got, what to say. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it's it. You know, I mean, I went with a much more. I guess I would say conventional pick for something like this. Uh, um, I went with uh, the pitcher we talked about last time we talked about baseball. I went with Henry Rowan Gardner. He's probably the fastest thrower. Like yeah, he, he's yes. the best closer out of I that mean, group. I struggled between him and Ricky Vaughn. Yeah, because Ricky Vaughn's like my one of my favorite. It's like, funny that we none of us cho- were even thought about a, a starter. <laughs> there, but I know. there's not really any. There's probably some great starting pitchers. All right, so now uh, let's go into our catcher. Uh, there have been great catchers. We talked about Dottie Henson. A lot of great catchers, actually. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Berenger in uh, Major, League. Major League. I forget the character's name yep. for some reason. Uh, Kevin Costner in Bull Durham. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and jump in with mine because I just mentioned her. We just talked about her. Uh, She's probably one of the more entertaining ones. I went with Dottie Henson. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, we're going to have a couple of the, like, the League of Their Own ones that, that yeah. fresh in our head, but also they're fucking good players. And yeah. It's a great movie. Dottie is a fantastic choice, and she is hard not to choose, uh, but I ended up not going with her. I went with someone else you already mentioned, Crash Davis from Bull Durham. The only issue is he's not a great player because he's in the minors. Right. And he didn't make it to the majors. <laughs> yeah. But he made it to the majors for like 26 glorious days or whatever it was. Yeah. But he is awesome. And when it comes, again, comes to entertainment, Kevin Costner in Bull Durham is fantastic. And so that's who I wanted. I, I love him in that film. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I went with Crash. That's a good one. I can't imagine there's going to be too much to argue about yeah. this one. Because these <laughs> yeah. are really sort of like fan favorites well, for similar, us. Yeah, similar to other like baseball drafts. Like, you're going to choose great players. Yeah. And so, yeah, I can just be like, well, yeah, that's a great player. Okay. Yeah. Or like, yeah, that's a good character. All right. All right. So our first baseman. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Okay. This is a character from a movie that doesn't get a lot of love. The movie was okay, but I loved the character, and it has one of my favorite lines from any movie. I remember I remember going to see this in the movie theater, and I saw it by myself, and it's got one of my favorite lines. The first baseman's covering first while there's a runner on the bag, and he turns to him and he goes, you got any naked pictures of your wife? Do you want to see one? <laughs> and that was the character of Jack Elliott from the movie Mr. Baseball. Oh, wow. With, Mr. With Baseball. Tom okay. Selleck. Tom Selleck. Okay. 
Yeah, I, that's only an okay movie, is that what you call it? It's not yeah. not that fantastic. But I will I will double down here and say not a bad not a bad call because there's not too many like great first basemen. I almost went with Neil Flynn from Rookie oh, of the from Year. Rookie of the Year, yeah. But I doubled down on the cheese factor and I went with a movie that is not just not a good movie. It's a straight up fucking bad movie. <laughs> and I think it's the fourth in in this series that started off with this character playing basketball and then this character started playing football and then I think he played like I don't know hockey or golf or something but in the fourth installment of Air Bud seventh inning fetch <laughs> Air Bud plays first base and you know why I chose him John why is because that? in that movie Air Bud goes to the World Series and he is the World Series MVP so that just means that this dog is the greatest first baseman, maybe the greatest baseball player in the world at that moment. So he would be better than anyone. That dog is the best baseball player, and he played first. That is an amazing call. So yeah, Air Bud, uh, play, all the way. Placated by the fact that I've actually seen that movie because my daughter loves the Air Bud series, there you go. which she found on her own oh. on Netflix. Like I didn't, we did nothing to to uh, yeah. show her that. She just, I came home one day and she's like, "Will you turn this on?" I'm like. When did you see this? She's like, it's on Netflix. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go ahead to our second baseman. Uh, Do you want to start this one? Sure. I will get started on this one. Honestly, there are not a lot of big second basemans in films. There's just, there's just not. So I went with someone who we just saw, who was a fantastic second baseman. But more than that, she was a great hitter. She's maybe not the best looker (laughs) of the bunch, (laughs) but she had so many comic moments that I absolutely love her. That's Marla Hooch. From a League of Their Own, so yeah, she's, yeah. she's fantastic, and that's a great call because I also yeah. went with Marla. Hooch. There, I, we first of all, there were options. There weren't many options, <laughs> but it, the one option that we did have was a great option. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was happy when I finally was like, oh yeah, Marla Hooch played second. Oh, yeah. that's an easy call. Boom. Yeah, she got is. it. She's awesome. All right, so now we're going to jump to third base. Okay, I'm gonna let you start this one. All right, I'm curious if you went with mine. I'd be shocked if you went with my third baseman because there's there's some good ones like for Major League you have uh, Corbin Burnson, uh-huh. but I went with a third baseman who would work really well with my first baseman. I went with a third baseman who would, without question, have the best arm because he's probably used to flinging his poo at things. <laughs> I went with the chimpanzee Ed from the movie Ed starring Matt LeBlanc because he has that chimp arm. He's got mm-hmm. that chimp speed. He is going to be the best third baseman without question. <sighs> Adam, I, I don't know what to tell you because I also yeah, went with Ed did. the Chimp. I also went Ed the There's, Chimp. Who, you, you, you're not going to pick Corbin Burns. You're not going to pick someone. No. You're going to pick a fucking chimpanzee yes. because that's the, the most entertaining third baseman you can find yes. in this film. And probably he's a better third baseman than he's, Corbin Burns. Yes, absolutely. He's got, I mean, you see how chimps... Have you been to a zoo? Like They, they chuck it all They're over the strong, place. strong, man. Yeah. So he can he can he can hit that runner yeah. uh, to third very easily. All right, I'm happy about that. All right, so uh, we got to go to our shortstop. Um, I'm gonna jump in. There've been a lot of good shortstops shortstops in in baseball. There are not that many who can outrun a dog. <laughs> and my second base or my shortstop, excuse me, is Benny the Jet Rodriguez. The Jet. And they say in that film specifically, he kind of rotates between all all the uh, different spots. But uh, I do think he kind of was on second base, or sorry, on shortstop pretty often. That's a good call because I also chose <laughs> Benny the Jet Rodriguez as my shortstop for all the reasons you did. He is a he's a great 
athlete, all-around athlete. He and my first baseman, Air Bud, might have issues. I don't know if he's traumatized by that, but maybe it'll work. But yeah, Benny the Jet, fantastic, yep. fantastic choice at shortstop. Cool. All right, now we're going to our outfield. Uh, there could be a lot of different ways we can go on outfield because yep. generally you have people who will play a position, but you can kind of mix and match as you need to. Uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and jump in. Okay, so for my left field, uh, I picked a uh, outfielder. I think he actually played center field in his movie, okay. which is so it's, but a lot of outfielders, you can honestly put them where you yeah, need to be yeah he was the rising star in his film he was definitely the mouth i feel on his film he was the badass i went with kelly leak played by jackie earl haley in the movie bad news bears oh nice. he was the badass he rode his motorcycle he was like i don't know he was like the the breakfast club bender if you will yeah. of bad news bears yeah so i went with kelly leak as my left field that's good uh for my left fielder i wanted some power uh I wanted some... Some godly power, maybe? No. No? Oh! Well, well huh? yes, actually. <laughs> because Jibu helps with all. Jobu. Jobu helps with all. <laughs> I went with Mr. Hats for Bats, Mr. Pedro Serrano yeah. from Major League. He was my second place. Yeah, so, yeah I like that one. That's a really good call. Yeah, Pedro right. Serrano's awesome. All right, let's, let's jump to center field. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in with mine. Um, I had a really hard time for some reason after, because I picked Pedro Serrano first. Oh, yeah. I had a really hard time picking who the next one was, and I was like, you know what? You know who played a good center field in that movie? Willie Mays Hayes. Not only was he a really good center field in that movie, he's the best center field in any movie. I it's, went with Willie Mays yeah. Hayes as well. Yep. He he was probably the first name I wrote down, period, oh, yeah. was Willie Mays Hayes for center field. That's yeah. who I wanted. Great call. Say uh, hey. I, I almost had Pedro as well, but I was like, no, I want to mix it up, and I put Kelly. But yeah, yep. Willie Mays Hayes is the best, man. Yep. <laughs> yep. I bet we probably have the, the right field the same, too. We're going to have a lot of similar <laughs> ones. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to let you jump in with right field for this last okay. one. Okay. I'm going with a character for my right field. So this is our last one. We're kind of rolling, rolling through this one because, yeah, there's no – we're not fighting each other on yeah. this one too hard. There's not much to set up either. Yeah. Um, I'm going with a right field who didn't start in right field. He was actually a pitcher way back in the day. But then he came back to baseball. And just because baseball came natural to him. In fact, it was so natural to him – it, the movie was called The Natural, <laughs> and I went with Roy Hobbs, by Robert Redford, in the movie The Natural uh, as my right fielder, because he was a kick-ass hitter. So. That was my backup. Okay. That was not my first one, and I'm going to admit, I kind of cheated with my last one. <laughs> okay. I kind of cheated because I picked a character that was based on a real person. Okay. But the way that he was portrayed by John Goodman was just so damn oh, funny. Yeah. And I went with Babe Ruth from the movie The, the Babe. Babe. Yeah, you went with The Babe. The Babe, yes. Okay, yeah, so. you cheated. You <laughs> fucking cheater. But that's good. John Goodman did a great job yeah, in that film. he does a great... And it's, that's, I think that's one of his underrated movies. could we have gone with Babe the Pig? Did he ever play baseball? Not that I know Damn of. it. <laughs> that would have been good. I could have an all-animal baseball <laughs> league. That'd be, that'd be fantastic. All right. That is our baseball characters fantasy. Our, yeah, awkward kind of baseball characters. I know. Yeah. <laughs> fantasy yeah. casting live from Long Beach Comic Con. Yes. Let us know which team you think would be better. My, my team with the, with the dog, both teams with the chimp, yeah. <laughs> and one with a real player, cheater. <laughs> but played by a... Yeah. Played by a fake... No. A, He's a real actor. A real actor playing <laughs> a fake character of a real person. Yes. There you go. 
please join us next week for our last episode at Long Beach Comic Con. John and I do a top tens of our favorite comic book heroes and villains, as well as ask anyone around us who their favorite comic book hero and villains are. If you have any questions or any suggestions for movies or TV shows you'd like for us to review as part of your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at at blast past cast that's at blast past cast on both facebook and twitter so until next time i'm john and i'm adam and thanks for joining us see you next time